Chapter Twenty Five of the Social War of Nineteen Hundred, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Meg Turasek. The Social War of Nineteen Hundred, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter Twenty Five Doctor Juno Locked Out of Concert Hall, which caused a riot. Doctor Victor Juno, after running the night watchman into his cell and bolting the door, had very little trouble in making his way out of the asylum. He unbolted the iron stair door, and after he passed through it, locked it again and pocketed the key, thinking that he might need it elsewhere. Since he now had the keeper or watchman stored away where he could not be heard should he scream with all his might, he felt almost certain that no one else was in that part of the institution, but, for fear there might be, he was cautious in his advancement, and although he put the keeper's hat on, he was too large to look like him. As he arrived on the first floor, where lights shone dimly, he beheld a man, in the distant part of the corridor, who called to Dr. Juno. "'Jeremiah, will you take charge of this ward for the balance of the night?' When Dr. Juno replied, "'Certainly I will,' the man instantly passed through a door and disappeared. He evidently mistook Dr. Juno for the legitimate watchman. The doctor now followed the advice which Jemmy gave him, and with a slight effort pried the only door open that was locked until he reached the open yard of the asylum, and with his rope, chisel, and hammer, he readily scaled the wall, and in an hour he was in his office. Having been away for several weeks, he must at once begin his lectures again, and when he retired to his bed, could not sleep for thinking what he had better to do. He soliloquized as follows. When I last preached in the Walnut Street Theatre, the Pharisees colluded together to create a riot, and failing in that, they influenced the mayor to solicit the proprietor of the theatre to not let me have it again, as a monstrous breach of the peace was threatened. Then, when I returned to my own small hall in the northern part of the city, and had immense crowds of people follow me who could not gain admission on account of my room being too small, the Pharisees were displeased with even that success, when they literally bought off all the daily newspaper proprietors, requesting them to cease taking a single advertisement from me, and even refused to insert my name for love or money into their columns. They thought, of course, that, if I was deprived of the use of the theatres, large public halls, and the newspaper advertising columns, I would be compelled to starve or leave the city, and now as I have been abducted and confined in that hellhole of an insane asylum, these bloody conspirators will make a handle of it, or at least in some way construe my absence into something that will speak against me. I have my own newspaper, the sharpshooter and antifoggy, which they dread awfully, and I have my own hall, that will seat three hundred people. But my hall is not large, nor fashionable enough for the elite to enter it. 
At any rate, a small audience cannot be fired up and made enthusiastic like a large one. Hence I will hunt around to-morrow and see if I cannot find some large public hall or theatre that has not been bought off by the Pharisees. I shall go to see my darling Lucinda the first thing in the morning. She will be delighted to see me. The poor girl! I wonder if she dreams of the persecution that I have suffered. I'll ask the general to advise and aid me to get a large hall to preach in next Sunday evening. In the morning, Dr. Juno's servant told him what the report was about him whilst he was gone, that most of the people, who had been his former friends, really believed that he had eloped with Miss Lucinda Armington. What? ejaculated the astonished doctor. Eloped with Miss Lucinda Armington? Great heavens! Has she been also away in my absence? Certainly. She disappeared the same night that you did, and has not been heard of since, said his servant. This is monstrous! Oh, God, this is truly unendurable! Jack, leave me to meditate over this outrage, exclaimed Dr. Juno in agony. I am confounded and scarcely know what course to pursue, but I cannot lose time in thinking. I'll go and see the general, and tell him all about my incarceration. But these confounded conspirators assuredly have turned him against me. Truly, I see it all. They have abducted dear Lucinda, the very night that I was kidnapped, and very likely she is confined in the same lunatic asylum from which I escaped. What can I do to find her? I dare not be rash or imprudent in the matter, because these bloody monsters have everything their own way just now. Therefore I must work cautiously, but energetically. Dr. Juno looked around for a large centrally located public hall to preach in. He first went to Concert Hall, which was the largest and most fashionable place in the city knowing that a new proprietor had it for rent, and verily he agreed to lease it to Dr. Juno for a year to preach in on Sunday evenings. Therefore he at once had his posters and circulars printed and distributed, and also sent his advertisement to the only independent newspapers, the Sunday papers, to which he always had access in common with the community at large. The moment it was noticed by the religious bigots that Dr. Juno was advertising to speak in concert hall on the following Sunday, they went to the new and inexperienced proprietor of the hall, and told him to prevent Victor Juno from preaching in his hall, or they would withdraw their patronage and operate against him, which would have literally ruined the proprietor. The latter therefore went to the mayor, and said to him, "'Your Honor,' I have leased concert hall to Dr. Juno for the purpose of preaching by himself, and the Young Men's Association, opposite, say that if I let him speak only one night in the place, that they will throw up their engagements for the winter and do all against me that is in their power. And this would surely ruin me, for the influence of the religious community is the power in our city. Now, sir, I have come to ask you what I had better do to-morrow. Do? Close the doors against him, of course. But you have time to inform him to-day that he cannot have it, said his honour, the pious, or make-believe saint, 
Mayor M. My dear sir, I have already informed Dr. Juno that he cannot have it, but he insists on having it, as he has paid for it, and has also freely advertised the same, which undoubtedly will bring a crowd to-morrow, Sunday evening, exclaimed the proprietor of the hall. Ah, indeed, he defies you, does he? Very well, we will see. You bolt the doors as strongly as you can, and I will have a posse of police there to guard and protect you thoroughly, responded the excellent mayor. Many thanks, noble sir. I shall follow your advice strictly, said the proprietor. When Sunday evening arrived, it rained heavily, being a settled rain, but notwithstanding this rain, and then no street-cars running on the Sabbath day, there was an immense crowd of people congregated in front of the hall. But the doors were closed, and a large force of policemen lining the entrance to the same. The people wanted to know what this all meant. The answer came from one of the police officers, that Juno was prohibited from preaching therein on this occasion. And as soon as this got noised throughout the four to five thousand people that were patiently waiting to see the doors open, they became impatient and rebellious, and cried aloud, Dr. Juno! Dr. Juno! He got on a step and said in a loud voice, The Pharisees are determined that you shall not be allowed to hear me preach to you. I have paid for the hall in advance, and you see the rest yourselves. Then an immense uproar burst upon the air. Mob the police! Mob the police! and a most terrible riot ensued. End of chapter 25 Recording by Meg Turasek